I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi! This is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a first-time reader go through each of the 14 books in the series. Warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences and will contain spoilers. If you have not read Robert Jordan's Lord of Chaos, please proceed with caution. Pausing, Semarog studied him. There was something, a tightness around the mouth and eyes, as if he had already fought pain. Of course, that peculiar bond between Aes Sedai and Warder. Strange that these primitives should have come up with something that none of the Chosen understood, yet it was so. From the little she knew, this fellow quite possibly felt at least some of what the other patient was undergoing. Another time that would present interesting possibilities. Now, it only meant that he thought he knew what he was facing. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we're talking about chapters 6 through 8 of The Lord of Chaos. Note, I have not read past chapter 8. And I'm going to try my best not to talk about the rest of The Lord of Chaos or the other 8 books. So as long as you've read through chapter 8, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read. Unless you're okay with spoilers. Chapter summaries, as always, from dragonmount.com. Samael visits Grendel in her hidden palace in Arad Daman. Grendel goads him, suggesting that the Dark One might want to turn Randall Thor and name him Nabeless. Grendel wants to manipulate Samael into killing Randall Thor, contrary to the Dark One's wishes. Under the supervision of Shaidar Haran, Samarag tortures the captive Aes Sedai, Cabriana Macandas. In Saladar, Elaine, Nynaeve, Swan, and Lyanna, along with Shiriam Bayanar and her Council of Aes Sedai, Use the twisted stone ring Turangriol and the copies Elaine made to enter Teleron Riyadh. They go to the White Tower's reflection in the world of dreams and search for documents detailing Elida's plans. A nightmare of Trollocs manifests and draws in the Aes Sedai. Elaine convinces them to disbelieve the nightmare and dispel it. Before leaving Teleron Riyadh, Elaine visits the palace in Camelin and sees the dragon throne in front of the lion throne, angering her. A concealed Demandred watches her. Nynaeve's weather sense tells her that a massive storm is coming, though there is not a cloud in the sky. Loghain tells visiting Altaran nobles that the Red Aja goaded him into declaring himself the Dragon Reborn. Swan and Lyanna pretend to be at each other's throats to conceal from the Aes Sedai that they are working together. Sitter for the Blue, Lelaine Akashi, interrogates Nynaeve, after which Theodrin, a former Wilder, suggests that she can help Nynaeve break her block. Tarn Affair, an emissary from the White Tower, arrives in Saladar. Alright, first off, I need to note something, which is that we've been saying it wrong. It's just Lord of Chaos. It's not the Lord of Chaos. I know that. I'm not going to fix it. I'm also going to continue to get it wrong. Yeah. Because when titles like that, that sound like they should have a the in front, don't have a the, I'm always going to put it there. Yeah. Just subconsciously, that's a thing I do. Yeah. The also, other... what did Samael say that they wanted to name Rand as? Because I don't remember that term from the book. Samael is afraid. It it shows up at the beginning of this book. I don't think it shows up before. But Samael, or at least Grendel, is trying to convince Samael that the Dark One wants to name Randall Thor Nabeless. What is Nabeless? Nabeless is like Grand Poobah of the Evil Dudes. <laughs> I don't know. Grand Poobah. I don't know why I went with Grand Poobah, but that's a choice I've made, and I'm going to stick with it. It's right. basically like <laughs> I'm going to use another analogy here. It's going to be a less fun one than Grand Poobah, but it's like <laughs> Chief Justice of the Supreme okay. Court, except instead of Chief Justice of well, I was going to say instead of Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, you are the worst person on a panel of nine people. 
also the same thing. Well, I mean, there are nine justices, but still. Are there nine justices? I don't know. I've been working <laughs> so are. much. Yeah, there are definitely nine Supreme Court justices. I don't know what life is anymore. This episode is crazy delayed because yeah. out of the last six weekends, I've worked 12-hour days on five of them in addition to 12-hour days the rest of the time. And then I went to Steamy LitCon. Then you went to Steamy LitCon. And got back and immediately tested positive for COVID. Round two for COVID. At least this time it wasn't as bad. Yeah. I don't know if that was the antivirals or just... I think it was both. I think, like, my symptoms only lasted about a day. And I can't That's not That's not the antiviral, but I think me having energy faster. Could be. And not... Because, like, two weeks into us having COVID the first time, we were still dead. Oh, yeah. It was awful. Five days later, antivirals, miracle workers. Yeah. Not that we were ever, like anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers but like do both of those things yeah get vaccinated mask if you're sick yeah yeah anyway this is a a lot of words to not talk about this section because nothing happened i can sum it up with like three things basically and that's one thing per chapter dark or the chosen are doing chosen shit yep lots of infighting yep they go to the dream world and there's a nightmare yep and naive is angry. <laughs> yeah. So like all of book five? Yeah. Nothing happens. If we're 175 pages in and there's still, yeah. uh, hey, remember this character and I'm going to give a description of them. Like he's redescribing who Tom and Julian are. We are six <laughs> books in. If you do not remember who Tom is. Yeah. You can cut that paragraph. This book is already too long. Yeah. Though, so one, you're right. Not much happens. And two, One of the weird things about this book is it has some, like, really good Wheel of Time stuff in between a lot of Robert Jordan writing a lot of words and doing very little with them. Yeah, he's not an economical writer. No, I I was talking about this with you earlier yesterday when we were watching the show. We're recording this. We've seen the first three episodes of season two. We'll make a separate podcast episode on them. But Robert Jordan knows how to construct a sentence. He writes... Debatable. He writes very well. He knows how to he knows how to write a sentence. He knows how to put words down. They're like good, interesting words. He has a relatively wide vocabulary. He's got good prose. What he doesn't know how to do is end a sentence. Which means he doesn't know how to write one. That's where the They go on comes for in. a long time. And also he uses way too many commas. Debatable. Um so he uses commas like you use commas and you use too many commas. I use commas like he uses because this is this is my shit, right? Yeah, which is an incorrect use of commas. <laughs> anyway, he could stand to be he's not a wasteful writer, right? He doesn't write a bunch of shit that doesn't matter at all. He could get the same impact with fewer words, and which fewer I don't commas. think and fewer commas. Yes, I don't think he he like he could do it without changing his writing style and just get to the point a little faster. Yeah, I think that's where I settled on just like you need to get to the point faster. He yeah, he just needs to be more economical cuz I don't want the prose and the sentence structure to change. I just want to not have the Saladar Isadai do a thing that the Power Girls, which is kind of a term in the community for Elaine, Egwene, and Nynaeve. I hate that. 
It's bad. That's I. That's on par with badness of Randland. Randland. <laughs> anyway, so they they've spent two books doing this. Yeah, going to the White Tower in the Dream World and investigating it. It's like, why are this we? Been why are we reintroducing this concept? Yeah, what? Like we've been doing this for two books now. This is just like a. You could have cut this, and maybe the series wouldn't have been 14 books long. Well, no, it still had to have been 14 books. This book could be, like, the length of... I would say it could be the length of, like, The Dragon Reborn. No, not The Dragon Reborn. The Great Hunt, which is, like, about in the middle. There's stuff that has to happen here. And one of the things that I do respect Robert Jordan for, right, is he doesn't fuck with timelines. Sometimes the book is slower because characters have to do things... And he's not going to create plot holes by making different characters experience time at, at different speeds. Which is how we end up with the Traveling Circus. Which is how we end up with the Traveling Circus. And it's, it's it leads to some not good stuff. But it's kind of part of what contributes to Randland feeling much more real, right? People have to take time to do things. And even... Like, we're starting to see them getting a little fucked up by Rand's ability to just travel. Rand yeah. can blink around, and they're like, where the fuck is he? Like, at one point, the Tower, or the, not the Tower, I said, the Saladar, I said, I are like, well, if they're going to K- if they're going to Kyrian, the Tower's emissaries, they're going to have to go to Camelot. It's going to take them, like, a month more to get there, so we'll have a month on them. Rand has definitely been blinking back and forth between Camelot and Kyrian. Yeah. So they have the same amount of time. Yeah, because he could be in Camelin when or wherever they are. The, Kyrian. The sea names are always going to mess me up. They could be at Kyrian when he's there, or not, and then they leave, and then two days later, he's back in Kyrian. Yeah, not even two days. The same day. Well, they could, if they haven't left, then That's he true. will be there. Why well, I'm saying like two days. That is true. By the time they're like, oh, wait, he's, how is he back in Kyrian? Let's go back. Yeah. But then being Camelon again. And that actually, so that actually kind of highlights one of the things in this section that is starting to come to the surface, which is that the Saladar Aes Sedai are paralyzed by kind of decision paralysis. They can't seem to make a decision. They're not really reaching out to leaders. They, it took them a long time to send an emissary. Elaine and Nynaeve show up and it took, takes them a couple of months to decide, hey, we should send some people to go talk to the Dragon Reborn. It's also evident in the fact that they haven't been raising any sisters, really. Like, yes because they haven't no. figured out how to do that yet. Well, they haven't figured out how to do it because there's, like, Terangriol involved. Eh, just right. And they don't have the Oath Rod. Everything's fucked. The world's about <laughs> to be, end, be over. Just say their eyes to die. That is, I think, a realistic like, screw thing the, for them Screw to the Oath Rod at this point. Right, they'll get it, they'll swear the oaths when they can. Or not, because Rand's going to break the world, so That's do true. we need an oath rod anymore? Sort of. You kind of do. Because swearing oaths is part of what makes modern Aes Sedai Aes Sedai. That Moraine talks Wardermon. about it in the show, that and the Wardermon, but Moraine talks about it in season one of the show where the oaths are kind of a concession to not be hated by everybody. And there are, so the Saladar Aes Sedai, we learn, brought 19 novices with them. Just 19. Actually, they didn't even bring 19. They found a lot of them. Yeah. There are not very many Aes Sedai. There are less than a thousand Aes Sedai. So as powerful as they are, 
a large enough army could just wipe them out. Yeah. Oh, we also learned that they've got more novices at Saladar than the tower has had in years. Yeah, because... Because they've loosened up on their criteria. Women who were potentially too weak before or too old... Yeah, like Nynaeve. Yeah, Nynaeve, Nicola Treehill, uh, the, one of the girls who came with Elaine and Nynaeve on the boat, would have maybe been too old to study at the tower. But now they're like, I don't care. Right. They're like, novice is novice. We, we just need bodies. Which is how it should have been to begin with. The fact that they kept making it more elite and more elite is just dumb. Yeah, well, that's kind of one of the things, especially in this book, and one of the things that the wise ones and the wind finders kind of highlight is the Aes Sedai are increasingly out of touch with the world. There's a theory, I don't know when it was introduced, but it's been introduced in the books up to this point where the theory is that the Aes Sedai are kind of breeding the ability to channel out of the population. Well, because they're killing all the men who can channel. Right. They're gentling them and then not really allowing them to do anything. Well, I mean, gentling them isn't allowing them to do anything to begin with because like the re- only reason Logan is alive is because the plot needs him. That's not the only reason. If he was just a random man who could channel, he'd be dead already. Yeah. He'd be like Tom's nephew. That's true. The The pattern needs him, the, so he's has yes. found a purpose to keep himself alive. Yes. Because the is. pattern gave him a purpose. <laughs> Taviran strikes again. The plot gave him a purpose to live. Yeah. Otherwise... But he did find a purpose to live. And Swan and Lyanna also have found purposes to live. So it's not impossible. But the pattern gave them those reasons because... It's not done with them. Tamirin. Yeah. Rand needs them at some the point. The world is going to end. Yeah. But so they're gentling the men who can channel and keeping them locked up and generally removing them from the population one way or another. And then sisters basically never have children. Yeah. Green warders might in the books have sex with their warders, but they definitely don't get pregnant. No. So, like, what even is going on there? So, I said, like, are they just, do they have to choose to get pregnant? Like, is it like a... a I don't know. <laughs> like a birth control weave? Yeah, like, because Shovelana would definitely have popped up pregnant by now with the amount of You'd think sex so. is implied that her and her warders are having. Not even implied. In episode one... Nynaeve walks in on him. Or Elaine, not Egwene. Egwene. Egwene walks in on him. Yes, (laughs) yes. The fucking E names. Yeah. Robert Jordan likes a few letters. But that scene implies that it happens a lot. Yes. Because they just don't give a shit. No, they don't. Anyway, that stuff is what happens in the middle of this section and towards the end of it. At the beginning, we get the most interesting stuff, which is the Forsaken. Grendel is trying to bamboozle... Samael into attacking Rand. See, I found it the least interesting, but I think that's just because I the for, uh, all of it can be boiled down to Forsaken or doing Forsaken politics things. It, yeah, but the infighting is kind of fun. Eh. Grendel has herself a big old palace in Eredemon and has a lot of like beautiful servants compelled within an inch of their life yeah, to just Grendel. be servants. And like the siblings of kings... Like, yeah. nobility. Nobility? That's not. Nobility. Nobility. We haven't recorded in a little while, and it's clearly showing. Also words. What are words? I don't know what words are. Anyway, yeah, Grendel and Samuel are, are talking. Samuel's an interesting guy. He's very angry. Yeah. And one of the notes 
I have about this is Samuel's mad about being short. He has a Napoleon complex. A little bit. Because one of the comments that Grendel has is like, he's mad that Luce Theron is taller. Luce Theron is better than Samuel at everything. He's a better tactician. He's a better blade master. He's stronger in the power. He's taller. <laughs> and all of those things hurt Samuel equally. <laughs> And I don't think Samuel's, like, that short. He's definitely not tall. And I don't think Luz Theron was that tall. He wasn't, like, uh, uh, he wasn't Rand tall. I'm just imagining everyone's 5'10", unless otherwise stated. Yeah, well, Samuel's maybe, like, 5'5". Five, five. <laughs> oh, that's short. I don't know. I, I Average That's height, kind of a guess. Average height for a man in the U.S. is 5'10". Five, five, ten. Ten. I think it's 5'10". Yeah. I think it might it, have gone up. Height has it, trended to go up. Yeah, but... Five five is the is the average height for a woman in the U.S. So that's true. So we got little Napoleon Semiel over here, or you know he's British because the average height of a man in Britain is like five eight. I don't remember what nationality Ilianers are supposed to be. Wait, they're supposed to be Dutch, which would make him tall because the Dutch are tall. I the only I reason I say that, that statistic, I have only... looked up the statistic of how tall are men yes. from the UK. The only reason. I say that Ilianers are Dutch is because Bale Doman is supposed to have a Dutch accent, and he's from Ilian. Okay. So. He do be. He do be from Ilian. He do be Dutch. He do be Dutch. <laughs> we get him in the show. We do. This is not a show podcast, but we get him in the show, and I am so thankful for it. You, they open the door, you see a feather hat, and you're like, Bale Doman. Yeah, you open the door, you see somebody who looks like he should be in Pirates of the Caribbean. Which I recently watched because and, COVID. <laughs> and he looks like the, like the like first mate oh yeah the one that they had to like throw water on because he's like sleeping with pigs or whatever his name is what is his name sure i don't know it's been a long time since i've seen i just Pirates watched of the Caribbean. Movies, but, but I... he looks like that and i love it this is not a show podcast gibbs, mr gibbs, gibbs. yes gibbs we'll talk <laughs> about mr gibbs pirates, <laughs> this is not a pirates of the caribbean podcast yeah we'll talk about mr gibbs aka bail Domon, on the show podcast mostly Grendel is just trying to manipulate Samuel into killing Rand. Yeah. The Dark One has given explicit orders not to kill Rand, but instead to just generally wreak havoc. Let the Lord of Chaos rule. Yep. See, that's where the Lord of Chaos, that's yeah. where my brain gets the, no, the whole I, book title should be the. That's where I get it, too. I think the last book was even just Fires of Heaven, not The Fires of Heaven. No, it is The Fires of Heaven. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I'm looking at the title of the book. And it says the sequel to the New York Times bestseller, The Fires of Heaven. Okay, there we go. This is the cover with Fabio Rand on it, Yes, too. it is. And, and a dragon? It's a drag car. I'm just... I know what that scene is, and it's weird that there's a drag car there. But Fabio Rand is best But Fabio Rand. Rand. <laughs> yes, Fabio Rand is pretty good Rand. I love it. We're really doing all we can to avoid talking about this section, because there's nothing in it. And then, yeah, the they're doing things. Semarag tortures some people. Yeah, Semarag tortures an Aes Sedai and her warder. Kills them. Or at least the warder. Yeah. Well, no, the warder kills himself. It's kind of a gray it's kind of a gray area. She essentially... I think if you torture someone to the point that they kill themselves, you killed them. Just putting that out there. there's There's a little bit of a gray area and I'll get into it in a moment. Because we get some backstory for Semarag. She was a very talented doctor with the one power she was maybe the best healer ever probably not for long Nynaeve exists yeah and she has plot things to do but 
she essentially was like doing bad things to her patients as like a twisted form of payment. Kind of sounds like a World War II Nazi doctor. I mean, they're all of the Forsaken are like Hitler. Yeah. They're all very bad people. So that's probably where that inspiration, unfortunately, came from. I mean, it could be. It could be lots of fucked up doctors. Yeah, it's kind of a pattern in the wheel. Yeah. Uh, but so she was She was this doctor. And because I said I weren't really like, they were seen as very high status. But they weren't necessarily like paid. They were servants. They were, I said I mean servants of all. And they were essentially just like top tier public servants. And Semiraj got tired of that, and she was ordered to either be bound to not do what she was doing to her patients anymore. Not really a great amount of detail on that. There is a reference somewhere else earlier in the books about Aes Sedai binding themselves like criminals, so could be something with that. But the other option was basically get stilled and then executed. She wasn't going to do that. And she decided to take the third option and kill everybody who was holding her hostage and immediately defect to the shadow secret door number three right and she's one of the first who willingly came over she's real bad yeah she's not i don't think she's like land fear levels bad well it depends on how you're counting land fear is crazy land fear is nuts so some of her crazy or some of her bad is kind of excused because she's clinically in A little bit. She's mentally ill. A little bit. But also... Like... She's... She is notable because she's the only one of the Forsaken to choose her name. Yes. Which means she did some... I mean, she did let the Dark One free. She did let the Dark One free, but she's got... She's mentally ill, and... She didn't know. A defense attorney would have an argument for not guilty by reason of mental defect. Still got a stiller. Yeah, but... I mean, you know, they would. The, if the, it was a modern AU of some sort, she would have an argument for not guilty versus for reason of mental defect. Yeah, like, I'm going to be put into because a mental. You can't. Ins- an, I think a mental you, in- I think you just until- have to kill Lanfear because what happens if you send Lanfear to a mental institution? She becomes Harley Quinn in like a heartbeat. To be fair to Harley Quinn. She was she not was a patient. A she was a doctor. She was made insane by a mental patient. So is she the is Lanfear the Joker in that situation? Ooh, I think Lanfear is the Joker. So so just kill her. Just get it over with. Lanfear is the Joker. Yep. Confirmed. Anyway, that Lanfear's not in this section because she's dead. Nobody, no crime. Sure. Samarag is, and she's torturing this Aes Sedai and her warder, and she's Doing so under pressure, because Shaidar Haran is there, and he's like, get the information, bitch. Yeah. Um, you don't, I don't like Shaidar Haran. Well, he's a too-tall murderer that can command the Forsaken. Yeah. He's not a good thing to exist. No. Although, if Dave ends up being Shaidar Haran, I might <laughs> like him a little bit more. I think Dave is just the murderer costume. That's probably about it, but just the fact that they named him Dave. Yeah. So, Semarag is torturing the Aes Sedai by, with the one power, because she has such advanced knowledge of the brain, directly stimulating Cabriana McCandice's pain centers with the one power. Yep. Which sounds like a really fucking awful thing. Yep. And she goes to the warder, and she starts to torture him in a different way, 
Uh, but right before she starts to torture him, she realizes he's braced for pain already. And not because he's expecting it, because he's already experiencing it. And this is where we learn that the Forsaken don't know what's up with the Warder Bond. Which means the Warder Bond is new. Yeah. It's... It was not a thing they had in the Age of Legends. It's brand new information for them. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's one of, like, a few legs up that the good guys have. Yeah. Well, up to this point, they've basically only been winning because the pattern has needed them to win at those points. But this is an actual, like, informational leg up that they have. Right. And despite all the winning that they've done so far, they're not really closer to winning the last battle. No. They could kill all the Forsaken and still have a shitload of Shadow Spawn to deal with. To say nothing of the people who would replace the Forsaken. Which is why there's still eight more books. Which is why there's still eight more books. But, like, Rand needs kind of a coalition of nations in order to fight the last battle. And he's not close. No. Because there's eight more books. Because there's eight more books. And also because, like, the White Cloaks are around in Amadisia. Not Amadisia. Amador. Again, Altara. No. Just, the point is, my point is... Some nation with an A that's next to... If this to was the second Andor. to last book... Things would be happening faster. Things would be happening But there's eight faster. more books, so we can take our time can, figuring out what the White Cloaks are doing. Can confirm, Towers of Midnight, things happen faster. Well, it's the last book. You have to go like, oh shit, I need to wrap a bunch of things. Yeah, well, I mean, Towers of Midnight was supposed to be part two of the last book, out of three. <laughs> Robert Jordan intended for A Memory of Light to be book 12. And Brandon Sanderson, who does not write nearly as lengthily... Flowery and yeah, he he his prose is much more simple. Robert Jordan he, is kind of a fan of like the purple prose a little bit. I don't There's know what that is. Basically, way too flowery. Uh yeah he he likes to craft a sentence. He doesn't like to end a sentence. Yeah, he that's like that's purple prose. It's to say like flowery almost to an unnecessary. Okay. Point would be like I don't necessarily think so. One of the things. And we'll, we've come back to it, so I'll come back to it for real. One of the things that I do like about his writing is that, despite how long the sentences are, if you really want to get information out of them, there is information to be had. You just have to look at it way more in depth than you would in a casual or even semi-casual read-through. I'm not saying I dislike purple prose. I'm a, I'm a fan. I yeah. mean... People have called Red, White, and Royal Blue kind of purple prosy, and it is a li- it is a little bit. I like that about it. Yeah, that book's just you know two hundred and fifty pages shorter and has bigger typeface. Oh, uh, so then this book it's about three hundred pages shorter. This book is close to eight hundred pages, I think. Yeah, I'm guessing offhand. That's too long. It's very long. But anyway, Robert Jordan. So like, this is what I mean by like he knows how to craft a sentence because like if you pick apart the sentence, the whole sentence is more or less telling you something. Each part of the sentence, what somebody's wearing, gives you information on their personality and where they're from and what they're doing. And even if it's something that we know already, if they're, if it's a character who wasn't aware of it before, he uses the sentence to tell you how much they do or don't know. Unless he's reintroducing who Tom is. Unless he's reintroducing who Tom is, yeah. But even then, when, when he's reintroducing who Tom is... He's kind of going through some of the stuff that's happened to him since the series started. Yeah. So, like, anyway. I'm not saying it's necessary. He could cut it and it would be fine. But it does, it is 
packed with information. It's just not all the information is like of the highest priority. <laughs> We're not going to agree on this. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So Severog is Semarag. torturing. Yeah, and so he, the reason I think, going back to the gray area, the reason I think there's a gray area is because Semarog goes to torture the warder by kind of doing the opposite of what she did to the Aes Sedai and directly stimulating the pleasure centers of this warder's brain with the one power. And unlike the Aes Sedai, who she sets up the weave to kind of slowly ramp up and then kind of hold, this guy gets a more intense feeling, faster, and with basically no cap. So he's going to go insane by the pleasure centers of his brain working overdrive to the point where it's just unbearable. And she goes to question the Aes Sedai, and she comes back to the warder, who is dead. He bit his own tongue off. The reason I think there's a gray area is because I could see most warders realizing what's going to happen and then biting their own tongue off so that they don't break, so that they die instead of break to a forsaken. Still murder. Still her fault. But I I don't think she tortured him to death. No, that's torture. That that's the definition of torture to death. I see. You're I think not responsible for what you do under torture. It's a hundred percent semantics. But I think the difference is she didn't literally kill him with the torture. You're not responsible for what you do under torture. I agree. And again, Severog is responsible. She's ultimately the source of his death. Because he would not have Which, done that. You can just say she killed him. I guess. If you're the reason for the death, you killed them. I guess. But I definitely think that the warder bit his own tongue off instead of being tortured. Yeah. It's like, good job, warder, I guess. Although it did pretty instantly break his eyes to die. And Semarog's like, they're not dumb enough to have this bond and have it work both ways, are they? It does work both ways. Yeah, it does work both ways. But that, I mean, it kind of gives them an advantage. Yeah. Like, she, Semarag is so kind of self-centered, as are most dark friends, to not realize that, 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 like, bi-directional communication is a good thing. Yeah. That's the Semarag stuff. Don't really know what they want with Cabriana Macandas. Yeah, not really. And then we get to Elaine. Yeah, they're in Teleron Riyadh. She's made several of the Stone Ring Turing Real. She's just making her angry all yeah, over the place. She's got a new talent and she's being put to work. Yeah. She it doesn't help that the I said I don't know how to use them and aren't listening to Elaine on how oh to my use God. them. I, like, you trust her to make something none of you could have figured out and you're not going to listen to her when she tells you how to use it? Y- yeah. And you almost <laughs> died because you wouldn't listen to what she said about nightmares. Right. They they think that because they can channel the one power, and we see this in, we, we saw this rather in Egwene a little bit, where Egwene kind of goes into dreamwalking with like a, I can channel what's, you know, this can't be harder than channeling. But I, I won't say it's harder than channeling, but dreamwalking is definitely a completely different thing than channeling. It's like someone who has a PhD in chemistry and has never programmed trying to program something that someone with a PhD in programming would be able to do. Like, they're not... One is not harder than the other. You just don't have any knowledge in it. Right. And you can't walk into it and being like, oh, I know how to balance an equation, so therefore I know how to write a computer program. I'm kind of sad that we don't get their meetings with the wise ones, because I kind of want to see their reaction to Amis, who can't channel. Amis can't channel. Can Amis channel? 
One of them can't channel. One of them can't channel. And she is just as strong a dreamwalker as every other wise one dreamwalker. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the power. And, like, even in their group in Saladar, Swan is more effective than the Aes Sedai. Because Because she's listening. Because she's listening. And also, above and beyond most Aes Sedai, Swan is (laughs) strong-willed. And that's the number one thing that matters, is your strength of will. Because, like, the way to get around a nightmare is to convince yourself that it's not real. You need strong Yes, but it is sort of different. It's it's another semantics thing. It's sort of different. If you have to convince yourself that it's not real, you're starting from behind with an idea. Yes, but the way to get get out of it is to tell yourself it's not real. Right. You just deny that it exists and it won't. You need strong will for that. Right, which is why Nynaeve in the end of book five, was able to collar Mogadian. Because she's just like, I'm, I'm going to make it so. Right. There is a collar and a leash around Mogadian's neck. Yeah. And then there was. And I maintain, now that I've read it again, that there was kind of a feedback loop. Your subconscious can help you. But, and that's the problem with the nightmare, right? All these eyes that I get into the nightmare, and even Elaine, who is not a dreamwalker, but has more experience than everybody else there, gets into the nightmare and she's struggling because all of her feelings like her sense of sight smell touch hearing all everything about her is telling her that it's real she is living it it helps for elaine that she chose to go into the nightmare right she saw the nightmare happening and realized that they weren't able they weren't going to get out unless they could actually hear her so she's like all right fine i gotta go in yeah and one of the other really interesting things about this nightmare is that the one power doesn't exist in the nightmare. It's not like all of these women are weak in the one power, even though they are often using copy turn reals where they can't channel as strongly. But Elaine goes in and she tries to channel and the one power just isn't there. It's not like being stilled or being shielded where it's there and you can't reach it. It's just not there. It's kind of like when... Demandred went into Sheol Ghul. There just wasn't one power there. I don't remember that. It's in the prologue. Okay. With the, like, 30 other points of view. It's weird that so much happened in the prologue and so little has happened in the book proper. Yeah. But anyway, so they're all stuck in this nightmare. They eventually get out, but not before several of them are hurt. Yeah. Not fatally, not anything that can't be healed. Yeah, they're able to be healed immediately. Yeah, but it's an interesting time, and I kind of wish... I don't know if we do, but I kind of hope we get the aftermath a little bit. It seems like we don't. It seems like we don't. I, I, I really hope we get some meetings with the Aes Sedai and the Wise Ones in Teleron Riyadh. That's probably either. It's equally likely, actually. I was going to say it's probably not going to happen, but also the book is way too long, so it's possible that we do. Yeah, and we could get it from Egwene's point of view as well. Yeah. She is with the Wise Ones and, again, way more competent than any of the people who were at Sa- in Salar. Well, because she's realized the one power isn't going to help you. Right. She still, I think, leans on it a little bit. I mean, if you have it, use it, but... But that's not an option for Perrin. And he's fine, and same with the wise ones who can't channel. Right. That's what I'm trying... Like, if you have it, obviously you're going to use it, but yeah. it's not... But I think one of the things like... that the wise ones try to teach Egwene, and what the wolves definitely try to teach Perrin, is the tools you have at your disposal for your physical self, mean literally nothing. And you should treat them as if they don't exist. Because what you can imagine is better. 
What I should say is, if you have a tool, you're going to use it whether right. you choose to or not. Yeah. Because you've always had it. You can't ignore the... Yeah. It's like going... It's like having something happen to you later in life that removes something from you. You're going yeah. to have... Yeah. Except the op- it's like pretending that you've had something removed from you. You can't. That's true. You either have to have it removed like you're being stilled or you're going to end up using it because it's just muscle memory. Yeah, definitely. One of the thing, one of the times I think we see the power of the dream world and the one power used to its highest extent in tandem is when Mogedian expels Brigata from Teleron Riyadh. Yeah, because that was a one-power thing. Definitely a one-power thing, but I I think her command over Teleron Riyadh there was just as important. Whereas a lot of the stuff we've seen Dreamwalkers do that is the most impressive has just been sheer force of will. Yeah. Which makes sense. They're Aiel. That's, that's what they do. We get a couple of tidbits of information worth noting. We again learn Elida has removed a, a stripe from the stole. There's no blues. Yeah. And... Interestingly, Alviarin has continued to, like, countermand Elida's orders. We got a hint of that at the end of the last book, where Elida, uh, Elida sent Rand a letter, and then Alviarin sent Elida a contradicting letter. Yeah. Elida sent Rand, Rand a contradicting letter. But that wasn't, like, Elida sent an order, and then Alviarin was like, don't actually do that. Here, they see proof that Alviarin is actively undermining Elida. Which is interesting, because we know Alviarin's black. Yeah. Which I think lends... I know what happens, of course, that's the podcast. But I think that does lend some evidence to your I don't think Elida is a black sister theory. Right, because, like, either she'd be really good at gaslighting herself, because we've gotten Elida's POV. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't put it past her, but... It's not like when we had Leandrin's point of view before we realized she was black... Aja, mm. like, you knew something was up with her. Yeah. This is purely just, Elida's just a bitch. She's not she's evil. Just she's a just a bitch. I mean, she she might be a little evil. She's defi- definitely a megalomaniac. That's not evil, though. I mean, it kind of... When, when you've got someone called the Dark One <laughs> in your world... In the grand scheme of things, it is less evil than the Dark One. And in anyone, like... The whole point of fantasy books in which there is a fight over good versus evil is that there's not much of a gray area. That's true. That is very Whether true. or not you listen to what Sirius Black says in Harry Potter about, like, when people aren't just good or evil. <laughs> They're the sum of their actions. But the sum of their the actions are good or evil. And basically in this world, if you don't, if you are not a dark friend, you're not evil. You're just a shitty person. Counterpoint. Padden Fane was a dark friend, is no longer a dark friend. He's more than a dark friend. <laughs> He's still... T- the Forsaken are technically dark friends. Yeah, but Padden Fane is going around nailing Mergel to, do- to doors. He is not allied with Dark One. More death, evil, staunchly opposed to the Shadow. Okay, but there's actual incarnate evil. <laughs> I, yeah, I would argue on... If there's spooky time evil things. Spooky time <laughs> evil things, yeah. And Elida is not spooky time evil. No. She's just a bitch. She's just a bitch, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, think that would be... I, I think it would be unfair to the Dark Friends to insinu- insinuate 
Like, it would be unfair to how bad... Intar was a dark friend. He wasn't a bitch. He was evil, though. He was evil. Bitch and evil are not synonymous. That's true. Asmodian. Evil. Evil. Not not a a bitch. bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Bitch and evil are not synonymous. But Elida's definitely a bitch. (laughs) Because she's building a palace. Yeah. She's building a palace for the Amarillin seat. Which is just so, like... You know, she's a megalomaniac and she's a bitch, but that doesn't make her evil. If the Dark One didn't exist, she would be evil. Yes, but in a world where there is actual evil... (laughs) Spooky time evil. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I think... I think... I don't know that you've convinced me, but you've definitely made a strong point in your favor. Good. I'm going to take that as a win. I think that's as close to winning as I can get with you. (laughs) Uh, maybe... You're strong-willed. <laughs> I am strong-willed. I don't know that I would do well in Teleron Riyadh, because so much of Teleron Riyadh is about picturing something, and I'm literally incapable of that. But if you're there... I'd be very good at turning nightmares off. Yeah. You don't really... Other people would have a really hard time doing stuff to me. Yeah, because you can't see it, so... I can't picture what you're doing to me. Oh, no. Anyway. Atlanta also doesn't know a lot. No, like, they've... Almost s- no one knows that Maureen is dead. Yeah, almost nobody knows that Maureen is dead. I mean, the Salazar Do you know dead. that Maureen is dead? No, but <laughs> I know something happened to her. No one okay. knows that Maureen tackled Lanfear through a doorway. Uh, icon. Please be an icon, Maureen Damadred. <laughs> Possible R.I.P. Yeah. Um, no, they just all think she's disappeared. Because Egwene hasn't been able to come back. Egwene's still hurt. Yes. They think that she's disappeared, not in the way that I think that she has just disappeared. Yeah, she's just I'm sort of, like, she's probably dead. I admit that she's probably (laughs) dead. However, I would not be surprised if she's just spooky time magic disappeared. Spooky time (laughs) magic disappeared. Is this spooky time? It's the Finn. I mean, they They are spooky. They launched Matt out of their door and hung him and shoved his brain... Full of random bits of information. And shoved that's, a spear through his neck. That's spooky. That is spooky. They also wear, some of them wear clothes that is implied to be made out of human skin. That's spooky. That's that's fair. But they're not evil. No, I didn't say I didn't say evil. I said spooky time so they're magic. Just, so they're just bitches. <laughs> yeah, they're just bitches. <laughs> Where does everybody fall on the, the bitch to evil uh, continuum? We'll figure that out. The last thing that happens in this section is we get a naive section. Yep. And nothing happens. Some minorly entertaining things happen. Yeah, like Swan gets berated by Gareth Bran. Sort of. She berates him. He's like, I was just trying to compliment you. And she's like, don't compliment me. And then his crush comes out kind of in full force. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. He's like, he says something about, like, you would make a good something. And then he's clearly... yeah. He starts another sentence of, you would probably also be a good wife or whatever he was going to end that sentence with, but stops himself and then reminds himself that, oh, I should be yelling at her for yelling at me. Yeah. He he does clearly like, like the strong women. Yeah. I don't think anybody is Borghese's consort without liking uh, in-charge women. No, he has a type. He does definitely have he a type. He likes them a little mean. A little bit. We also learn Tom and Julian. We get reintroduced to them, sort of. We get them re-described to us a little bit. 
Yeah, like, okay, we're yeah. six books in, we know Tom is a gleeman. Right. And Julian is unfortunate because Julian has been around for longer than he hasn't been at this. Well, I guess not quite. But he's been around he for a while. He came in in book three. He came in in book three. We're in book six. There's still more Wheel of Time without him than with him, but not by much. Yeah. And he's very forgettable. Yeah. It doesn't help that his name is like somebody fucked up spelling Julian. <laughs> Every time I have to remind myself there's not, <laughs> not Julian. an A. Yep. Yep. But like Also when I was typing on my phone it autocorrected to Justin, so Okay. Justin is just the the human this time earth version of Tears Julian, I guess. I guess. Yeah, they're yeah. Amadisia. They're, they're going on scouting missions and stuff. Yeah. Uno has offered to help her leave. Yep. Which good guy Uno, unfortunately. Yeah. The show is sad. We'll talk about the show later in a different episode entirely. There are a bunch of novices in the tower. We talked about that already. Theodrin keeps uh, talking about breaking Nynaeve's block. And it's weird because, like, we get reintroduced to that, but we were already introduced to that this book. Yeah. Like, why are we getting, why is this happening again? Because it's so long, he expects that you've forgotten the information from the beginning of the book. (laughs) Uh, which, to be fair, is another, I had. This is another point at which he thought the series was going to end. <laughs> so, wait, because at, at Dragon Reborn, he's like, oh, no, this is going to be six books? Yeah, I think This so. does not bode well for this book, in my opinion of it, then. <laughs> it, that does start to explain some feelings that I'm already having. It is reminding me of the Dragon Reborn. <laughs> Just a little bit. It is. Is that going to happen every three books? No. No. Is book well, nine a okay. problem for an entirely different reason? It's not book nine. It skips to book ten. Okay. Book ten is a, a problem because it has the split timeline thing. Oh, I hate those. Yeah, it's bad. I don't like book ten. Book ten is the worst. But then book eleven is solid. And 12, 13, 14, all very good. Okay. Nine has a very important event. I don't remember much besides that. Okay. I don't remember anything about eight. <laughs> Which really bodes well for that. Book seven, I kind of remember. All right. Well, Theodrin is talking about her block this time and how yes. she got over it, which is, that was, it was, it was a good moment. Yeah. She's like, basically, I could, basically, she could channel when there was a cute boy around. Yep. That gave, it was like, flirting is she, equal to naive being angry. She, Theodrin really wanted to give it up. Yeah. To Sidon. Sidar. <laughs> Definitely not to the cute boy. Yeah. So there was a cute boy in the tower that they would let sit in the corner so that she could get herself to channel. But said cute boy had a twin girl. Cheryl and Meryl. (laughs) Had a cute twin girl that also helped her channel. Yep. Because, well... She thought it was a boy. She thought it was her brother because she wore a hat and, like, like, disguised herself and then was like, ha-ha, I'm a girl! And then she could channel from then on. Here's here's my gay take on that. She's like, oh, I'm just bi then, and is always able to channel because everyone around her is hot. But she can channel when she's alone. Maybe her block was just... It was just the shock. It was just the... One of the weird... It was just the, things... the compulsory heteronormativity. And once you realize that you're <laughs> not... I mean, she is... I said I. Or not I said I. Theodrin and Phelan are both in this like weird quasi I said I state. Yeah, well, like, the coming up with a new level, just call them Aes Sedai. Yeah. One of the things that I caught on, and I, I, I've caught on this before because it's it's a weird way to phrase it, but when Meryl, the, the girl twin, 
revealed herself to Theodrin. It says that she took her hat and shirt off. Bisexual. (laughs) I would realize that I could channel no matter what, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So, like, I saw my first boobs. The the Aes Sedai are definitely not shy about taking their tops off. No. They do it for a lot of reasons. There's a lot of nudity in this series. There is a lot of nudity. I appreciate that almost none of it is, like, sexualized nudity. A yeah, lot it's of it all, is like, like ritual nudity. A lot of and a lot of it like is explicitly non-sexual too. Like the the Aiel, right? They're all nude in the sweat tents, and they're just like, "What are you gonna do? It's a sweat tent." Yeah. The Aiel, or not the Aiel, the Aes Sedai acceptance ritual has them all taking their shirts off. Yeah. Like we're all women. Yeah. We're gonna do women things here, yeah. and the women things are channeling. <laughs> Which, like, again, that's kind of a strength of the Wheel of Time. It's like. What do the women do? They channel. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one thing you can count on women anywhere to do, is channel. So. But yeah, it just yeah. was entertaining to me. Oh, yeah. Good time. And that's a good way to break a block. Mm-hmm. Just like, do the old switcheroo. It's not going to work for an ID. You or can't... realize you're bisexual and or have it does your bi. <laughs> yeah. Re- that really takes the uh, phrase bi awakening to a whole new level. Yeah. Bi awakening your power. Yeah. It's the power of a good pair of boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not one to disagree. But yeah, really, not much happens. No, Gideon gives Nynaeve a lesson on detecting how a man, like detecting a man's channeling. Yeah, which they're not really able to experiment too much with. There are because, no men who channel there. Yeah, Gideon's just like it's a shame that you haven't healed Logan yet, yeah. as if she believes that Nynaeve can do it. Sort of. I think Gideon's just taunting. I don't Nynaeve because Gideon definitely. At the beginning, when Nynaeve is delving Swan and Lyanna, Mogedi is just like, this is a waste of time. And the, there's an Aes Sedai that comes up to Nynaeve and basically says the same thing. It's like, you should right. stop trying to heal him and also cut your hair. Like, and then that happens for like three pages. It's like, what? <laughs> what is going on? What is happening? I think Loki only happens for three pages. Yeah. But... Oh, Logan is also there... Showing off to some Altara nobles. Oh, yeah. He, he's, like, entertaining them and continually retelling his story about the Reds. Yeah. And the, there Which is makes me interesting... wonder, like, is... So, like, Elida has created this new Aes Sedai power structure in which there's not a blue. Mm-hmm. Are the Saladar Aes Sedai basically doing the same thing? Trying to turn everyone against the Reds? They are and they aren't. It's hard to tell because they don't have an Amarlin. But there are no reds with the Saladar Aes Sedai. Right. But I don't think the Saladar Aes Sedai would, like, whoever they raised to Amarlin, right? I don't think that she would take the red off the stole. They're still Aes Sedai. They're just not on our side right now. They want the tower to be whole, and to them, the tower being whole means the reds. Yeah. Because they do see the need for the red Aja, or at least as it was. Who knows what the red Aja will do Moving forward. I honestly don't see a point in them. Most of the reds that are, like, besides Elida, most of the main character reds that we've encountered are actually Black Aja. Yeah. Or, like, I'm not even assuming that all of the six eyes that I, that six red eyes that I, that came to Loghain to convince him to name himself the dragon. I'm not convinced that they were all Black Aja. But clearly the presence of Black Aja inside the reds has corrupted them entirely. Yeah. That even if they are not evil, it turns them into bitches. Uh, we know the head of the Red Asha, Galena, is black. Yeah. They're corrupted. We just need to start over. Yeah. 
and maybe yeah. you don't actually need them if the if everyone who is a red or was a red has been corrupted for I, maybe 50 years are they actually while, yeah. are they actually what they stand for anymore that is a good question and i i think a red aja is always needed because the taint still exists even though yes it is corrupted <laughs> yeah the dark one's taint um thanks i hate it even though rand is like no men who can channel are mine after the last battle, what are they going to do? Unless Rand's able to fix it. Unless Rand's able to fix it. But like, is he able to fix it? I don't know. I've only read five and a quarter books. That's true. That's the podcast. That's the podcast. I know what happens. You don't. What does happen, though, is not much in this section. Yeah. It's really like, it's it's not even set up. Nope. It's just setting. It's reintroducing some of the setup that we've already gotten. Yeah, it's weird. And it's weird for it to be this far into a book. Now, it is only chapters six through eight of like a 40 chapter book. But still, it's damn. Really long chapters. Really long Each chapters. Each one was like an hour long for the audiobook. Yeah. I will say, I did not fully comprehend what you meant by the narrators, Michael Kramer and Kate Redding, being slow until this section. Because... We got through chapter six and seven, and it took us like two and a half hours or so. And we're like, okay, we need, we just need to finish so that we can record. And we looked at chapter eight, and it was like 15 pages, and it was going to take an hour for us to listen to it. They are slow. They're very slow. I remain in my point of view that they are fantastic narrators, and I love listening to books that they narrate. But yeah, you're right. They're kind of slow. And I just don't have the patience. That's fair. Unless I'm doing something else. That's fair. I often do something else while I am audiobooking. Well, like, yeah, like there, if, if I can hear a lengthy pause at three times speed, <laughs> how long was it to begin with? Yeah. Yeah. They're didn't. good. Their character voices are great. Like, and to benefit them, the, at three times speed, their voices don't sound all that high pitched. Like, it's still good at three times speed. Yeah. It just is, you know, three times shorter, which is great. <laughs> Thumbs up. That's fair. So this was chapters six through eight of Lord of Chaos, not the Lord of Chaos. Let's do some recurring segments. Yep. Visions and shit. We have had nothing. Ship update. No need talks about land some. Yeah. Are, are you like fully shipping Gareth Brynn and Swan? I'm not shipping it. I'm just pointing out that there is a ship. Okay. I am ship watching. Okay. Could you ship it? Take the show aside. Moraine is dead. Swan can't get her lesbian lover in the nighttime back. No. No. Okay. I did partially forget about Swarine in the books being a thing. <laughs> That's fair. Because we haven't seen them together in a while. No, we have not. So you so you don't, don't think you'll ever get on the Gareth Prince Swan show. I don't ship it. I wouldn't read fanfic about it. But in the context of this book in which there is very little romance, I will take what I can get and will be entertained by it. That's fair. Maybe we'll pick up with Perrin and Fael next section. I hope so. Because they're some, in this book. I need some more Farron. Yeah, for now. Favorite moment? I think it's the twin switch. Twin switch is good. That is good. I think mine is either the twin switch, because I, I enjoy it, or it's Samarog torturing the eyes that I... Those are two very they're, different They're feels. very different, but they're they're kind of the more interesting stuff. Them defeating the Nightmare was a little interesting. I would It would be more interesting if they were better at it. Yeah. Like, if the this is the first time we're seeing somebody dispel a Nightmare. I'm kind of just tired of Teleron Riyadh. Ooh, buddy. <laughs> like. <laughs> Oof. 
I'm tired of at least this version of Teleron Riyadh where they're just like trying to figure out information. It's like, can you can you just like do say things? that you can we just get the after summary? Mm-hmm. Like this again, we get an entire chapter in which Elaine talks about all the things that they found, and oh. then there's an entire page and a half in which Nynaeve talks to Elaine about all the stuff. Yep. Could you have cut out the first part and just given me the second part? Yep. Give me the page and a half, not an entire chapter. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. Until we've got something new and entertaining to do in Teleron Riyadh. Like the Rand and Robin stuff in Teleron Riyadh. Great. Entertaining. Liked Teleron Riyadh there. I Battles in Teleron Riyadh are really interesting. Yeah. I don't care about rifling through Elida's study anymore. It's like Sookie painting her toenails in... <laughs> I, I'm done. Yeah, that's very fair. So Twin Switch is your favorite. Yes. Cool. Yeah, it's either that or the, the torture for me. Well, the torture gets disinformation, and you like information. Yeah, I like so. information. And, like, it's something happening. Yeah. And we don't spend very much time with Samarag up to this point. No. Who is nuts. Yep. In um, an interesting way. Forsaken. Yeah, Forsaken. All right. This was chapters six through eight. I said that already. Next episode, we will be reading chapters nine through 13. Bye. Bye.